Hello and welcome along to episode 68 of the All Things Least podcast. I'm Ed McIntyre and joining me remotely is, as always, Charles Foster. Charles, hello. Hey, mate. How you doing? I'm very well. How are you? Yeah, I'm okay. <laughs> I moved out the other day, so still a bit tired from that. There was a lot of lifting, but other than that, yeah, I'm sound. Yeah, been very busy over the past month or so. I moved into a flat and then moved into a house. Must be exhausted. Yeah, I spent a bit of time in a flat just to get with my new housemates to get used to it before they moved out. Nice, nice. Uh, well, we've got plenty uh, coming up uh, in the show. We'll, of course, look back on Leeds United's sensational 3-0 win over promotion rivals Fulham at Ellen Road last Saturday before discussing that frustrating one-all draw uh, with Luton at home on Tuesday night. Uh, we've got plenty of news to go over as well uh, before we look ahead to Leeds United's next game, which is uh, this Saturday away at Blackburn Rovers. Uh, but before we get into any of the topics, as I always like to say in these times, I do want to say a big thank you to all key workers and NHS staff out there for all of your hard work during this pandemic. And just to make sure to follow all the advice to help protect the NHS and save lives. <laughs> So first of all, let's uh, look back on Saturday's uh, incredible 3-0 win over Fulham at Ellen Road. I mean, Charles, this really was fantastic. A, a big, big three points. Yeah, it was um, it's sort, of, sort of an interesting tactical battle between Scotty Parker and uh, Marcelo Vilsa. Because in the first half, we looked a bit disjointed and I think we had the lowest passing accuracy we've had for a while. Yeah, that was a bit of a, a bit of a worry. We weren't really, we couldn't really establish any dominance. I think we had our lowest possession percentage as well. I think we were thirty-five percent. So we really needed to change it up in the, in the second half, and we did. And we obviously brought in Anders and Alioski, and they managed to turn the tide. And we, although we did go one up in the first half, it wasn't comfortable. We made it much more comfortable in the second half. So yeah, it was a really important result, and um, that result kind of knocked following out the promotion race. Yeah, I mean, it, it really was a, a big three points. But yeah, I'd just say that first half, you know, Leeds really were on the back foot. And it's the first time I've seen that under Bielsa, because under Bielsa, we always have so much more possession than the other side. But we really were on the back foot. I mean, you know, it, it was second half that was really fantastic. That first half was poor. I mean, you talk about a game of two halves, Charles. And, uh, you know, that really was. I mean, we were really poor in that first half, where we? It was, it was very nervy. Yeah, we just couldn't really get any sort of rhythm together, any sort of passing move together, and couldn't really put fall under any pressure. It just seemed to be every pass we made was either misplaced or went into a dangerous area, and then that player lost it. So we were just kind of constant waves of fallen sacks. Yeah, um, of course, within the uh, first few minutes of the game, uh, Fulham striker Alexander Mitrovic uh, elbowed defender Ben White in the face. It looked very deliberate, um, and the officials somehow didn't see it. Somehow four officials didn't see it, um, but it should have been a red card. And uh, yeah, it has been looked at since uh, by the EFL and he has been banned for three games, two games left of that ban now. So yeah, good, good news for us really, because uh, yeah, a big player out, you know, out of the uh, lineup for uh, a promotion rival. Uh, but Charles, I mean, how do four officials miss this? I mean, officiating has to improve because Mitrovic, you know, he could have easily gone on and scored a winner in the game. And if that happens, then you look at it and think, well, should have been sent off in the second minute. So, yeah, it's, something needs to be looked at there with the officiating because that was poor. Yeah, I mean, fair enough, the referee's, what, 25 yards away and not really looking in the right direction. That's OK. You can just kind of sort of see that. But the linesman didn't see it. The fourth official didn't see it. That seems less likely. They should be focusing on where the ball is. So, yeah, it's a bit dubious. But, you know, he got banned afterwards anyway. So, we got, we got the result we wanted. 
Yeah, but I mean, for incidents like that, you know, you you need to send him off in the moment because if you don't, then he goes on, scores a win, and then you know we've we've been screwed over basically there. Uh, somehow though, uh, against Southern of Play, Leeds United did take the lead on ten minutes. Uh, it was Helder Costa on the right with the ball sprinting down the wing and then pulls the ball back to Bamford who's running in and on the edge of a box he takes a first time finish finding the uh, bottom left corner I mean Charles this was a great goal yeah it kind of came out of a mistake because Bamford took a really heavy touch in the midfield and Harry Arter recovered the ball and then passed it out but he passed it immediately to Helder Costa who crossed it in for Bamford to just have a kind of really composed finish, which is rare for Bamford. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to get abused for that, but that is rare. Yeah, it is. So, I mean, yeah, it, was, it, it was a very good finish. And you know, I was surprised when it happened as well, because, you know, we never take shots like that. So to just see Bamford take a shot first time on the edge of the area, you know, it was very pleasing. Yeah, it was nice to go one up against the winner play for once, because a lot of the teams we play go one up against the winner play. Yeah. <laughs> so it was nice to be on that side of the uh, equation for once. Yeah, definitely. And uh, yeah, really, really pleased for, for Bamford, who, uh, who has now got 14 goals this season. Um, and I mean, Charles, you know, we criticise Bamford a lot, but, you know, he is on 14 goals this season. And Kemar Roof was Leeds' top scorer of the past two seasons with just 15 goals. Um, and we were praising him a lot. So, I mean, is it time we lay off Bamford a bit? I wouldn't say so because Roof played far less games. Roof was always injured. He would always be in for a few weeks and then injured for a while and then in for a few weeks. Also, the amount of opportunities that Bamford receives, I mean, 14 goals is the absolute minimum he should be scoring. I think he's yeah. expected goals in like the mid-20s or something, so he's missed like 11 clear-cut opportunities or something like that. I mean, we're going to go on to talk about the Luton game shortly, but <laughs> that's exactly the kind of thing I'm talking about. Yeah, he misses a lot of big chances. and Yeah, 14 goals uh, this season. I mean, he should be on 24 by now with the amount of chances he, he gets put on the plate for him. Um, but no, a goal for Bamford, which is uh, really pleasing. Uh, but yeah, that goal was against Southern of Play. Leeds were really under the cosh for the whole first half. I mean, pegged back by Fulham, who were dominating in many areas. Fulham created many good chances, which they probably should have scored. But uh, fortunately for us, uh, they didn't find the back of the net. And uh, it was 1-0 to Leeds at half time. But yeah, Charles, I mean, how was it 1-0 to Leeds at half time? Because Fulham really did, you know, play us off the park in that first half. They were sometimes a bit unlucky, like Mitrovic's free header from the corner. That was a bit unlucky. Bobby Reed decking it in the six-yard box. That was a bit unlucky. <laughs> they, were, they, they were just they were like we normally are. They were just making silly mistakes at crucial times. So that's why they, they couldn't score, got equalised before half-time. And then obviously their momentum swung and then they had very little chance of scoring after the break. Yeah. So you're saying Leeds versus Leeds there. <laughs> um... It was a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, Leeds really poor first half. We desperately needed um, half time, and we needed to make some changes, which Bielsa did. Um, he took Bamford and Helder Costa off uh, for Alioski and Pablo Hernandez, moving Tyler Roberts up front. And Charles, I mean, credit to Bielsa because you know we needed to make changes, and he did do it. And those changes changed the game. Yeah, they worked because Bamford wasn't really getting, in, although he scored, he wasn't really getting involved in the play. Uh, we were lacking sort of control in the midfield, which Hernandez kind of provided, and they provided a bit more creativity as well. And obviously, we had with Alioski on the left, we pushed Jack Harrison onto the right. So we had Harrison, as we've talked about before, acting as more like an inside forward. And Alioski's been on good form the last few games, so get having him on the other wing has been um, he's been really useful because obviously he was he was good in the game after that as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> against yeah. Lincoln. I mean, Pablo and Alioski, they came on and gave Leeds so much more energy, so much more control in that midfield. And uh, yeah, Leeds came out firing um, in that second half and doubled the lead on 56 minutes. And a really good counter-attacking goal this one. Sila Mezier, um, he catches a, a corner, throws the ball out to Ailing, who passes it to Pablo in the middle, who finds Jack Harrison 
on the right first time. And then a first time cross from Jack Harrison, uh, rolling the ball into the box. It somehow managed to find its way to Alioski, who um, finished nicely. I mean, yeah, a, a really nice goal, this one. And, you know, Charles, this goal really, really epitomizes Bielsa ball because, um, and yeah, a great counter-attacking goal. Yeah, it wasn't um, Pablo in the middle. It was Click. It was Click who, uh, who yeah. fed it onto the wing towards Harrison. But yeah, the it, this was another mistake from Bobby Reed, who had a bit of an anonymous game in general because the corner comes into him in the box, and he tries to like over and kick it, but completely mistimes it. So it has no power in it, which means Meslier can kind of gather it easily. We can hit them immediately on the break. Yeah, it's a good pick out to Aylin, who who feeds it to Click, who yeah, as you say, it's the first time flick on down the wing for Harrison to chase, which is exactly the kind of balls that. Harrison likes chasing down the wing, those kind of speculative uh, long-range ones, um, as we'll talk about, about the third goal as well. But the this one, yeah, he feeds it in, and it's a bit of a comedy of errors. And I, I mean that, and yeah, with the Fulham's defending, because they the ball comes in, it's kind of a weak cross, but it evades everybody. Yeah. Tyler Roberts decks it, at least two of their defenders deck it as well. And another one of their defenders decks it when Alioski's taking the shot, uh, so... Yeah, it's a really composed finish from Alioski, and he was um, it really it really kind of solidified our position in the game because it didn't look like we were going to cock it up from that point. Yeah, but yeah, you know, you you went to an open the game, and then that was really game over for Fulham, really, because we were on top at that point. Uh, but yeah, Harrison's cross, I mean, yeah, <laughs> quite quite a, a weak cross, and it somehow managed to find Alioski, and yeah, Alioski, a nice, calm, and composed finished. Which we, you know, those two words we don't usually associate with Alioski because, because I think moments before this as well, he had just smashed a ball right over the bar. You know, every time Alioski gets in positions like that, he always, you know, gets really giddy and and, and does something stupid. But no, a nice, calm and composed here, uh, finish here for once. Yeah, it was it was a good finish, and um, his celebration was funny as well. Sam into the crowd is and stuff. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was it was good. It, it meant we we could have a play with a bit more freedom towards the. Um, in the second half, because it, it, the two 0 cushion was was good. It, it meant we could hold kind of full arms length a bit. Yeah, definitely. Um, you mentioned Alioski celebrating with the crowders, blowing kisses to the crowders after the game as well. Who was applauding the crowders? And you know, you look at it, and think, yeah, he's a madman. He's clapping cardboard cutouts. But you know, I appreciate that because you know, I, I bought one, and you know, behind each crowd, he is an investment for my fans. So. No, I, I appreciate that gesture from Alioski. I really do. Um, but yeah, Leeds made it 3 0 on a 71 minutes. Uh, Jack Harrison with the uh, goal here. But no, Charles, this is all about the assist from Pablo Hernandez, isn't it? You know, a nice finish from Jack Harrison, but what a ball from Pablo Hernandez. Yeah, I think we win the ball back in the defensive third. And he's in a lot of space. So he's like, holds his arms up like the same way he did it, you know, at West Brom last season when he was on the edge of the box trying to get their attention. I think he's, he said in an interview after the game as well, it looked like he did at the time. He took a quick look, see where Jack Harrison was just before he asked for the pass. So he knew he could immediately just chip that ball over the top and find him. It's great for Harrison to hold off Joe Bryan, Fulham's left back, and to um, a little bit fortunate or possibly, uh, <laughs> you know, skillful, not making the keeper get through the keeper's legs and just got the goal. And that, that was the end of the game. That finished it. That was fine. Yeah, I mean, it was a very good finish from uh, Jack Harrison, but I mean, that pass from Pablo Hernandez, I mean, just just what an assist. First time ball over over the top two, Jack Harrison. And then, yeah, Jack Harrison, nice, calm and composed finish to make it 3-0. But yeah, Pablo Hernandez, I mean, he, he really did change the game, didn't he, Pablo Hernandez? I mean, even at 35 years old, he is just incredible. I mean, him and Jack Harrison made it into the championship team of the week. Uh, this week, so congratulations to them both. But I mean, Pablo Hernandez got in the team of week without even playing a full half, <laughs> um, as he was subbed off uh, in the ninetieth minute for Jamie Shackleton. So, you know, it it just tells you, doesn't it? You know how good Pablo Hernandez was in this game. 
yeah, he was instrumental to the uh, to getting the control in midfield, which allowed us to properly dominate possession again, get and play our usual style, which we couldn't do in the first half. So he really was the, the game changing substitution. Yeah, definitely. And uh, yeah, Jack Harrison as well. A word for on Jack Harrison because in this game, you know, he started out on the left, and then the second half moved over to the right, and Alioski was on the left. And Jack Harrison on the right here got himself an assist and a goal. And, you know, we saw it back in January against Arsenal in that FA Cup tie. Jack Harrison playing on the right, he was fantastic, could have scored a few goals there. Uh, but no, here, playing on the right, an assist and a goal. I just think he's so much better on that right wing. I, I don't know about you, Charles, but I, I think he's so much better on the right compared to the left. I think it's just because he's not one of them wingers that likes running straight uh, to the byline and whipping the cross in. He loves he loves the cut inside. So being on the right, he allows him to cut into, inside onto his stronger foot, his left foot, and it, it just gives him that bit more control. Because he, he loves running with the ball. He's not really uh, he didn't really like receiving it and then crossing it immediately. He likes to to run with it a bit, to dribble a bit. So maybe being on the right is probably is possibly better for him. Yeah. Especially given the kind of inconsistent form of Helder Costa, we could just stick him on the right and then start Alioski on the left. Yeah, but then Alioski, though, I guess he's kind of a super sub, really. Alioski comes on late on when everyone else is tired and he just runs, ring, uh, runs rings around everyone else. So, you know, I guess you'll lose that if you put if you start Alioski. But, you know, Alioski has been great and probably does deserve a start, to be fair. Um, but, you know, I cast my mind back as well to that whole game. And Jack Harrison, there was one point in that game where he cut inside, uh, had a shot on goal, and it, and it hit the bar. So, yeah, I think Jack Harrison, yeah, as you say on the right, you know, he keeps hold of the ball, he likes cutting in. I just think he's so much better on that side. I mean, he does a great job on that left-hand side, don't get me wrong. I just think, you know, whenever he's popped up on the right-hand side, he's just done such a better job. So I really want to see that moving forward. Um, but yeah, 3-0 win uh, for Leeds uh, here. Actually, before we move on, uh, in fact, Jamie Shackleton, who came on in uh, added time for Pablo Hernandez, um, he, in fact, becomes the first ever fifth substitution Leeds have made in a competitive game. So uh, yeah, interesting fact there. Probably a question for the future. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, 3 0 win uh, for Leeds United over Fulham here. A huge three points. Uh, that's all Leeds move back to the top of the championship table and maintain that gap to third. Um, and yeah, Charles, a, a great response from that disappointing 2 0 loss away at Cardiff City the previous week. Yeah, we didn't arrive back in the right. I don't know whether it was a state of mind or whether it was the motivation or whether we were physically not up to it, but I imagine we probably were. That, it, it was just. In the Cardiff game, where we just didn't seem to have anything, any kind of penetration, any ability to get through them because of, uh, of the way that uh, Cardiff play under Neil Harris, that kind of deep, deep block with the, with the huge, you know, uh, mutant giants they've got in their team. Uh, we couldn't really, we, we're whipping crosses into the box, they just got cleared easily. So, yeah, it was a little bit of a worrying start. Obviously, the result of it against Fulham uh, helped ease the nerves a bit. Yeah, definitely. I think, I think uh, everyone's mood lifted after that Fulham win because it, it was such a big, a big, big result. Um, and in fact, as well, that was Marcel Bielsa's 50th win as Leeds United head coach. And in doing it in just 93 competitive games, Bielsa becomes the quickest to do so in the club's history, in the club's 100 years history. So, uh, yeah, um, thank you to uh, Andrew Dalton for uh, that stat. But, uh, yeah, interesting stat there. Um, and that win over Fulham set Leeds in good stead heading into Tuesday night's game against Luton Town at Ellen Road. And, you know, there was so much optimism going into that uh, Luton game because Luton, you know, they're in the bottom three, we're top of the league. It should have been three points, but Leeds could only pick up one point, drawing one all. I mean, Charles, to sum up Tuesday night, the word is probably frustrating. 
Yeah, it's frustrating, and it, and as you were saying with the, about the amount of optimism, it, it really is the hope that kills you because we we thought we'd finish off full and we'd come in and we'd steamroll Luton and you know we got into Blackburn with a really healthy advantage, but you know obviously the advantage has been they've been curtailed because obviously we're recording after the West Ham have won and after Brentford have won, both of them won three 0 So yeah, it was a bit of a a bad um, game week for us. So yeah, it was frustrating. Yeah, yeah, definitely uh, frustrating, um, and yeah, it, it it wasn't great from Leeds, really not not the not the best of performances. Um, but you know, a few people you know said that Leeds deserved to win, and you know, I'd agree to some extent because we did play the better football than Luton. But you know, I'd actually argue that a point apiece was fair because you know Leeds, we quite frankly didn't do enough to win the game, and Luton defended well. They came down the road, set up defensively. And at a point, and yeah, Luton, you know, you got to give them credit. They defended resolutely. Well, yeah, that's what you have to do when you're in a relegation battle. And they're in decent form and they've got to pick their games that you're going to try and win and pick the games where they're going to settle for a draw. And this was just a game they were going to settle for a draw, which is understandable. So, yeah, fair play to them. Yeah, I mean, that 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 point as well for Luton, that will go a long way for them, you know, because it keeps their... Uh, their survival hopes uh, alive. So, yeah, a big pointer for Luton. So, yeah, fair play to them. But, you know, we knew that it would be like that. You know, we knew that Luton were going to come and sit back, make themselves hard to beat, and there would be less space in behind to exploit because, you know, coming into the game, you know, people said, oh, yeah, we beat Fulham 3-0, so we'll beat Luton Town 5-0 or 6-0 because they're a crap side. But, you know... We, we we managed to beat Fulham 3-0 because, you know, Fulham, they were coming at us. They wanted to beat us as much as we wanted to beat them. And, you know, the way they play, they play attacking football, they press high up the pitch and there's they leave a lot of space in behind for, for us to exploit in the counter-attack. But Luton Town, they don't do that. They sit back, they, you know, part the bus and they and they frustrate teams and, and grind out results. So, you know, we knew that they were going to set up like that. We knew that it, it was going to be difficult. And yeah, Leeds just shot on ideas, you know, really frustrating. And, you know, Charles, it, it always happens, doesn't it, against, you know, the lesser teams in the league? Yeah, I mean, this season, what have we got? Four points against West Brom, four points against Brentford, three points against Fulham. We've done well against the better teams. We've lost a Wigan. We've lost we, we've lost some weird games. Obviously, we dropped points against Luton uh, this, this week. And we struggled against Barnsley as well. And although we won the game, we struggled down there for for a long time for kind of 70 75 minutes so we lost against Wednesday as well when they were in a bit of a tailspin we're at one point off Wednesday this season so we have struggled a little bit against the weaker teams I don't know whether it's just like you say just the the deep block we can't really seem to get through the kind of more defensive teams but I I would think so because we tend to do better against the teams that actually try and play yeah I mean it it is incredibly frustrating because these are games that we we should be winning but but we 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 just struggle I mean yeah the story of the night was Leeds were just short on ideas and just missed chances I mean Patrick Bamford what is Patrick Bamford doing there I mean you know, Jack Harrison, he's made a fantastic run down the left with the ball, beating, you know, two, two or three men. Great cross, put it on a plate for Bamford, who's three in the box, five yards out, and then he just misses the ball completely. I mean, I feel sorry for Jack Harrison because that cross, that run really deserved an assist. You know, he did deserve an assist for that, but Patrick Bamford just made an absolute mess of it. I mean, what was he doing, Charles? I mean, he claimed he lost it in the floodlights, then he lost the ball in the lights, which I think is a feeble excuse, frankly. Yeah, I mean, Helder Costa, he he used that excuse as well, did Helder Costa after the game for his chance late on. The, the last chance of the game, really, Helder Costa uh, just messing up that header completely as well. And, uh, you know, both Bamford and Helder Costa blamed the floodlights for losing the sight of the ball. I don't really buy that excuse, do, do you? No, not not remotely. 
I think they just made mistakes and they need to admit they're making mistakes. I mean, they need to admit they're out of form, really. Despite yeah. Bamford's goal, he's out of form. Costa has been inconsistent all season. He's out of form. And it's it's just frustrating because we really, really should have beaten them. I mean, we kind of needed to beat them. Yeah, I mean, it would have been another big three points. Um, But, you know, going back to those excuses, I mean, no one has ever said that. Literally no one has ever blamed the floodlights for anything at Ellen Road. And I doubt that they've changed them during lockdown. So, yeah, I don't really know what that is. I just think it's just looking for, for excuses when, quite frankly, they, you know, they should have put them away. Bamford, you know, easy chance for him, just completely missing it. And Helder Costa, just a very, very weak header. Um, I mean, Charles, Helder Costa, what, what are your thoughts on him? I mean, he, he's not great, is he? He's not worth £15 million. Pound. No, he's not. I've been very disappointed with Costa this season because we thought we were getting a, a really, really talented winger that was just you know undervalued by Wolves management and he, he's turned up and he hasn't really nothing's really clicked he's got a few assists here and there a couple of goals but for the amount of money we've paid for him we should, we should be looking at double figures goals and assists so yeah I mean we haven't paid a penny for him yet it's just high wages yeah, you, you'd imagine really, that. And he's, he's yeah. obviously drifted it in and out of games and he, he was making, making crucial mistakes at crucial times like, like Bamford very similar to Bamford in, yeah. in that regard I mean he, he's, he's just, just not cutting it at the moment is he Helder Costa no no, he's not. Yeah, and and as you said earlier, you know, it, it's probably worth dropping Helder Costa and Patrick Bamford, starting Jack Harrison on the right, Alioski on the left, and then Roberts at number nine, Pablo in number ten. That that's the way I'd set up moving forward. I don't I don't know about you. Yeah, but Hernandez can't play ninety minutes at the moment, so that ain't gonna happen, unfortunately. He's yeah. still nursing that hamstring injury. Yeah, uh, and we need to mention the corners as well on Tuesday because the corners were shocking, absolutely shocking. But it's about time we we change something up there because yeah, corners and set pieces were awful. I mean, there was that there was that point in the first half towards the end of the first half where we just had corner after corner after corner, and you know any other team who got five or six corners in the space of two minutes probably would have scored at least one of them. But instead, Leeds, you know, I think one of the corners went went right out to the halfway line. You know, they keep on getting headed out, nothing happening. I mean, yeah, corners and set pieces, Charles, they were awful. They generally are awful. It's one of the weakest parts of our game. I really don't know why we aren't fixing that up. If I was, if I was Bielsa, I was Bielsa. I don't, I don't, I don't like to pretend I know more than he does. I definitely don't. But you've been, you've been thinking about it and thinking, all our corners are terrible here. <laughs> we either don't beat the first man or we overhit or it gets cleared easily or we take it short and lose the ball or it ends up back at Meslier's feet somehow. There does need to be a change in who takes the corners. Yeah. I mean, personally, I I'd put wingers on corners because wingers their job is to cross the ball their job is to cross the yeah. ball into the box that's their bread and butter so for me you know i i'd i'd put wingers on the corners what 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 would you do i had like Hernandez on corners but he's not he's not playing all the time at the moment obviously harrison and alioski are both left-footed so you need someone who can take the other side as well i don't know we just need we need to change something up a bit we need to probably take phillips off corners because he's he's clearly not suited to it his yeah, dead ball delivery well, isn't isn't great yeah 100 i mean He's decent at free kicks, this Cam Phillips. Almost scored a free kick in this game. But yeah, corners, they definitely need working on. Definitely, because they were shocking in this game. Uh, but yeah, getting into the actual game then. So yeah, Leeds, miles better in the first half than uh, Luton. Luton didn't lay a glove on Leeds at all in that first half. But yeah, Leeds struggled to create many chances at all. I can only remember, you know, one or two. Bamford, early on, Roberts shooting miles over uh, from close range and click at the end of the half as well. You know, we struggled to create create many chances. Uh, but Leeds dealt with a big blow on a 10 minutes as a defender and captain Liam Cooper uh, went off with uh, what looked to be a lower back problem. And uh, yeah, he was really struggling to, to walk and, and to move. So 
yeah, Charles, it, it wasn't a good sight to see. And, you know, you'd hope that Cooper isn't going to be out for a long time. Well, that'd be also said after the game, he doesn't expect Cooper's injury to be long-lasting. It was probably just a bit of a knock. I don't know whether he's bruised it or whether he's just hit a nerve or something like that. But Bielsa seemed to think he'll be okay. Obviously, Berardi came on and then went off again, which is a bit odd because we tried, decided to change the system up a bit. We had to go three at the back, but that didn't really work because we, at halftime, because we conceded a few minutes into the, <laughs> into the second half. Yeah. yeah, we did. I mean... You know, you mentioned Bavardi there, you know, Bavardi coming on for, for Cupid and going off at half-time. I kind of feel sorry for Bavardi because he didn't do much wrong, really. But yeah, Bavardi subbed off at half-time. Um, no, no, at half-time. He also felt the need to uh, change things, change the whole formation. So yeah, Bavardi went off Alioski. Leeds moved to back three, availing Phillips and uh, Ben White with uh, Dallas and Alioski as the uh, wing-backs. I mean, yeah, as I say, probably harsh on Bavardi. He didn't do much wrong. But you know what, Charles? I'm I'm not surprised that Bielsa did change things up because probably needs it to happen. And you know what? I'm actually surprised that we didn't start with three at the back because Luton, you know, they tend to play two up front. So I was surprised that we didn't play three at the back to start with. Yeah, we, we generally play three at the back when, when teams play two up front. But for some reason, we decided to go with the general four, um, kind of four-one-four-one style formation for this one. I don't I don't really know. <laughs> I don't know what to say with regards to this. It was just a, it was an interesting gamble by Bielsa because I think he. Half time because he needed obviously something needed to change. We need to create more opportunities and we need to be more forward thinking. And we weren't getting much done with the four one four one, but getting done on the counter like that from the corner was a bit yeah. was a bit terrible. The, the finish was good. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, de- definitely was. Give credit to Harry Cornick. I mean, you know, I'd argued that the change, you know, did work because I felt as though we were playing much better in the second half compared to the first. But you know, yeah, in saying that, uh, Luton uh, went ahead uh, just there. Uh, uh, just five minutes into uh, that second half. Yeah, five minutes into the second half, Leeds conceded. Half-time substitute, Harry Cornick, uh, with the uh, goal scoring for Luton on 50 minutes. Um, on the counter, and yeah, Charles, as you mentioned, you know, to be fair to the lad, it was a good finish. It was a very good finish. It was, and they must be buzzing at that because that gives them then the opportunity to just completely sit back. I mean, thankfully, we uh, we equalised like 12 minutes later, which was after Hernandez came on, which was useful. But yeah... They started to just time waste from that moment onward to just try and break up the play as much as possible, not allow us to get any rhythm and try and see the result out. But obviously, they still got what they wanted because they still got something from the game, but they didn't get three points. Yeah. But yeah, as I say, you know, credit to Harry Cornick because it was a good finish, but, you know, probably too easy for Luton because, you know, on the counter, just one simple through ball to him. And then, you know, he, he cuts inside and uh, loops it over Meslier and finds the top right-hand corner. Credit to him, nice finish. But, I mean, could we have done better, Charles? Could the defenders have got tighter to him? Yeah, I think we were saying that for the junior Hoyle at goal at Cardiff as well. We need to make the challenge sooner. If we're gonna, if the challenge has to be made, then we have to make it sooner. Yeah. If you're going to try and jockey someone out of a good position, that felt fair enough. But if, if you need to make the challenge, then make the challenge. Because Yeah. However bad, however bad you think the free kick is going to be, it's not as bad as someone burying it top corner. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you just need to make one, you no, know, uh, make one for the team, and you know, just go in and just absolutely clatter him, try and win the ball, or just you know, concede a, a tactical foul. They they call it, don't they? Uh, but yeah, Leeds probably should have done better. But you know, absolute credit to Harry Cornick. It was a fantastic finish uh, that made it one 0 to Luton on fifty minutes. But uh, on sixty three minutes, Leeds United managed to find an equaliser. And yeah, nice build up here. And then uh, Alioski with just a nice calm pass, easy pass into uh, Stuart Dallas, who's in the box. And uh, yeah, a nice finish from Stuart Dallas, Charles. It was, yeah. It was a great, great find from Alioski to find Dallas in that position in the box. And a, a really decent finish from Stuart Dallas. And that, that put us right back in the game. And 
we looked like we were going to go push on and win it. And I thought we would push on and win it, but obviously we had the opportunities to win it as well, but we just couldn't take them. So we had to set off the draw. Yeah. And uh, speaking of Dallas as well, they went off in a added time for uh, Jamie Shackleton, looked to be a, a hamstring pull, which it isn't a good sign. I mean, hamstring players who have hamstring injuries are usually out for, you know, four to six weeks or whatever. Um, hopefully it's just, you know, it was just a precaution of a move because, yeah, Stuart Dallas, I mean, he, he would be a big miss if he's out for a long time. He would. He would be a big miss. I think he might, I think he, I think he is going to miss the Blackburn game, Stuart Dallas, with his with his muscle injury. Yeah, he's he's been really really useful this season. He's been really good because obviously Barry Douglas hasn't really cut it at left back, so we've had we had to put somebody in there. And he's he's been a really able player. He can play left back, right back, uh, centre midfield if he required. He can play on the wing if need be. So he's he's a really useful player. To yeah, have in the he, squad of Stuart Dallas. Yeah, he, he's a ve- he's a very very good player, Stuart Dallas. Very versatile, and you know I'd say he's been one of the players of the season. You know he, he has been absolutely fantastic as Stuart Dallas. So, yeah, hopefully he's not out for too long. Hopefully it was just a, a precautionary move because he would be a big miss if he's out for a number of weeks. Um, so yeah, Dallas's goal uh, one leads a point here, a point which kept Leeds at the top of the Championship table on seventy five points, one point above West Brom who are in second, and six points above Brentford who are in third. I mean, Charles, it, it's not time to start panicking yet, is it? Uh, no, of course not. But, you know, obviously West Brom look like they picked up form again against Wednesday. If they push on, then and Brentford are on, are on fire at the moment. So we could easily be nudged at the top two if we're not careful. We really need to pick up a bit of form. Yeah, and our next game is a, it's a perfect chance to do that. Yeah, but, you know, I mean, is a point of the end of the world, though? I mean, because you look back at the Fulham game, you know, if you flip those two results around and we are drawn against Fulham, and then beat uh, Luton Town, and no one would be complaining. So yeah, it, a point's not the end of the world here, is it? It's not the end of the world, no, but it really depends on how the next couple of games go. If we get two wins the next couple of games, then nobody's going to care, because we'll, we'll be well on our way towards and maybe winning the league, maybe we'll come top two. But for now, it just seems like whenever we drop points and someone else behind us gains ground, Brentford are always gaining ground, and no one's been able to stop them so far. West Brom finally gained a bit of ground, so... It's not, it's not like the end of the world, but it is, it's a little bit concerning because we do need to be beating these teams. We've got a very favourable run in and we, we need to take advantage of it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, it's a massive opportunity missed because, yeah, we really should have beaten Luton. And as you say, you know, the, ne- the next few games, you know, if we lose against Blackburn, lose against Stoke, and then you're looking back on that Luton game thinking we should have won that and that would have been a big three points. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, a point's not the end of the world for now, but, you know, come back to us, in, you know, for next week and, uh, we'll 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 discuss that. Um, but yeah, point for Leeds. We move on to a Saturday, of course, and that game away at Blackburn Rovers, which Charles and I will preview later on in the show. So moving on to uh, some news now. And uh, last week it was reported by the Independent and Leeds Live that Bundesliga side RB Leipzig are interested in bringing Leeds United director of football Victor Orta to Germany. Uh, now, take these reports with a pinch of salt, uh, obviously, but, you know, Charles, if Victor Orta was to leave Leeds tomorrow, what would your reaction be? I think Orta's had a very mixed time at Leeds because he's made a lot of mistakes. The 2017-2018 season, for example, was was a bit of a shambles because of all the... And we're still suffering from some of his mistakes because um, we've still got players on the books. So we've got, I think, Lawrence Dubok is still on the books. We've still got... Um, yeah, I got, I think. Us in boy, we gave him a four-year deal worth 20 grand a week. Never yeah. played a game for us. Yeah, um, I mean, that, that 2017 summer uh, summer transfer window, Victor Orta's first summer at Leeds, it was a shambles because we signed a lot of average players on long-term contracts for quite a bit of money as well. So, 
yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a bit shocking. We've still got you know, we've still got you know, Kane on 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 the books until the end yeah. of next season. We've still got Jerry Grot on the books till the end of next season because we gave them all four year deals. So it costs us a lot of money. That this uh, Augustine thing, I've I've read somewhere. I don't know if this is accurate. That should Augustine leave and not come back, we will have paid him ninety four thousand one hundred pounds per minute he's played for Leeds United. Wow, <laughs> which That's is mental. insane. Yeah. Yeah, the, the signings he's made have been very questionable. I mean, we've committed a lot to Hotel the Costa as well and doesn't like he's going to live up to the price tag. So, I mean, he does, he clearly cares a lot and he has, he's signed some good players for us, but we've, we've also made a lot of mistakes with him as well. Yeah, I mean, a lot, a lot of the moves that Victor Otto has made have been great, but a lot of them haven't been great. I mean, you know, we spent a fortune in that 2017 summer window and so many of those players just haven't cut it at Legion United and, you know, Victor Otto needs to take the blame for that. And I mean, that reason as well, you know, a lot of people turned against Victor Orta. I remember me and you away at Preston on the terraces uh, singing Orta out. So, um, you know, it, it's definitely questionable in that 2017 um, season, 2017-18 season. But, you know, since 2018, though, Victor Orta has been great. You know, of course, brought Bielsa to the club, which is massive, you know. So a great job there. Um, and then, yeah, a few signings that he's made since then have been decent. You know, Ben White was good. Um, I'm trying to think of, of others. Kiko Kseir kind of worked well. Elon Messier is, you know, was a decent pick out. So yeah, a few moves have worked out, but yeah, a lot of a lot of signings he's made have been pretty crap. So you know, I I'd probably say he's done a decent job. Of course, bringing Bielsa to the club was massive because Bielsa just changed an average side into into a, a fantastic team. Um, but yeah, Victor Otters he's done a decent job, and you know, there's there's no there's no um, hiding the fact that. Victor Orta is an important part to the whole system at Leeds United. You know, he really is. Um, you know, we've got the owner, Andre Rosani, who's got Angus Kinnear, who does all the, you know, the PR stuff. And then Victor Orta, who does all the, you know, finding players and, and, and finding deals. And then be also the head coach who picks who he likes. So, yeah, Victor Orta is a big part to the system at Leeds United. And if he did leave, then we would need to find a replacement for him. But I am sure that there's probably, you know, much better directors of uh, football out there. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, interesting reports there. Ones to keep an eye on. I've obviously take them with a pinch of salt. Uh, well, moving on, um, and it was announced on a Wednesday that Leeds United will not be extending John Kevin Augustine's loan from RB Leipzig to cover the rest of the 2019-20 season. Uh, the 23-year-old striker uh, leaves Leeds having played just 48 minutes of first-team football. I mean, Charles, you know, we've discussed it the past few weeks. I, I think we both saw this coming. Yeah, I mean, he's just been injured constantly or not in the right shape or not really up to speed with how Bielsa wants to play. And it's been, that's just how it's been. It's, it hasn't been a, a successful signing. We really needed a backup to, not even a backup, just another another striking option. And he really hasn't been it. And it's been, it's been gutting, really, because a player like him playing at their full potential would be really useful at this end, back end of the season, the important end of the season. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of excitement when Augustin arrived at Leeds because, you know, we really needed a striker and he had a good reputation. And yeah, there was a lot of optimism, you know, about it. You know, we thought it was going to be fantastic. But yeah, Bielsa's system, he likes to get his players up to scratch and he never really, you know, made, made an impact to the first team uh, for quite a few weeks. And when he did, you know, he didn't make a huge impact. Obviously not helped by, you know, a few knocks and, you know, a few injuries and little niggles that he's had. But yeah, it hasn't been a successful move at all, really, for for, for both parties. Um, and yeah, his loan deal, of course, expired on the 30th of June. Uh, but there is a clause in that loan deal uh, which says that if Leeds go up, then we have to sign him for around uh, £15 million or so. 
And, you know, Charles, it's understandable why Leeds wants out of that deal because he hasn't made a huge impact and £15 million splash on a player. Um, you know, it, it's a lot of money for, for a player who hasn't made an impact at the club. Well, we're, we're kind of we're committing a lot of money on players that we already have and that some players that we are, we're committing money on aren't strictly worth it. And we don't, if we're going to commit a combined, what, £32 million on or 33 million or whatever it is on Helder Costa and John Kevin Augustine, it's not going to go well in the Premier League. And there's a certain amount of money, and especially with the news that we're going to get onto shortly, we're going to have even less money at our disposal, aren't we? Yeah, definitely. Um, but you know, there are reports that say Abbey Leipzig have made it clear to Leeds, um, have made it clear that Leeds have to sign him if they go up. I mean, yeah, Leipzig did not want out of the deal, Leeds do. I mean, Charles, this, this could get very messy. Yeah, it sounds like a massive legal battle, which is going to cost millions as well. <laughs> so I, I don't know what grounds Leeds are going to try and get out of the contract, whether there's a amount of playing time he has to ha- have had or anything like that. But if the RB Leipzig lawyers are convinced that it's watertight, then it doesn't leave me with a lot of hope. Yeah, no, no not much hope at all. Um, but yeah, a, an interesting situation there. We'll need to see how that one uh, unfolds. Um, and finally, uh, speaking of Leeds United, Going up, the uh, Guardian are the uh, porting uh, that uh, the Premier League will be making newly promoted sides, newly promoted clubs, pay eight million pounds to cover its debts. I mean, <laughs> Charles, do we really want promotion to the Premier League now? Well, this could be the sign of the bubble starting to burst a bit because obviously Wigan went into administration um, a few days, a couple of days before we record this. Apparently, ten to fifteen clubs in the football league could, could be facing administration. The Premier League is even tightening its belt because COVID has, has restricted their their finances somewhat. I find this laughable. And honestly, if there's not a legal requirement to do it, then tell them no. We've got we've got yeah. no obligation to pay their gambling debts because that's what it is. They've gambled on too much money on staff and management, and now they require you know newly promoted team from the EFL, which has no money whatsoever to bail them out when they get a minimum £100 million a year. Do one, frankly, they can do one. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. I mean, I think it, I think it is disgraceful, you know, if these reports are true in the Premier League, want newly promoted clubs to pay them £8 million to cover its debts. I mean, yeah, it's disgraceful. It really is disgraceful. I mean, you know, you, know, you, you look at it, you know, if, if clubs like Luton Town get promoted, you know, who have no money at all, you know, £8 million to just pay the Premier League, you know, it's a lot of money for them. So, yeah, I, I think it is pretty disgraceful, pretty disgusting, really. And yeah, quite frankly, the, the Premier League can do one. But, you know, we still want to go up, though. We, we still want to go up because, you know, quite frankly, if Leeds United don't go up, then that sets us back for a number of years. But um, yeah, not not a great not a great read there. So, um, yeah, ho- hopefully there's there's not much in that. But um, yeah, uh, an interesting story there. Let's now look ahead to Leeds United's next game, which sees them take on Blackburn Rovers away from home this Saturday. It's a 3pm kickoff, and the only place to watch the game is on LUTV, so make sure you get uh, your match pass. You set all that up well in advance if you're wanting to watch the game. Uh, now, Charles Blackburn, they've just got one win in seven, uh, three losses, three draws, and and yeah, one win in the last seven uh, league games. Uh, losing the last two games, uh, both 2-0, um, away at Wigan and then uh, away at Barnsley. So, yeah, Charles, it, it should be a win on Saturday. <laughs> Nailed on loss. <laughs> Just for the jigs there, mate. <laughs> no, it's, these are exactly the kind of teams that we would lose to. I mean, admittedly, Luton were in a bit of form, but I think Ben Brereton got sent off in the last game as well, a straight red card. So that's another 
but apparently he hasn't been playing that well for them anyway. I don't really know how to how this game's going to go. If we turn up like the second half of a full-on game, we will written to shreds. If we concede a silly goal or, you know, make mistakes like we did against Cardiff or not get into our rhythm like the first half against Fulham, then we are going to make, we're going to make it difficult for ourselves. And I imagine that Tony Mowbray is just going to set them up like Luton, like Nathan Jones set Luton up, just sit deep, hit him on the counter, yeah. play set pieces, waste time. All those things are going to happen. Yeah. What, what we really get would need would be an early goal. If we got an early goal, that would that would really open the game up and everything would be sorted from there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, you look at it as well. You know, every time we we use, we go ahead, you know, we usually win the game. You know, majority of the time we've gone ahead in games and we've you know we've ended up winning them. So yeah, an early goal would would do wonders. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a frustrating game. But you know, Blackburn, you know, we should be beating them. You know, they're an average team. I mean, you know, they have some decent players, Bradley Dak and Adam Armstrong, but. No, they also have 35-year-old Stuart Downing starting in midfield. So, um, yeah, an average team, really. Is, is Dak um, back from injury yet? Because I know he, he did his ACL, didn't he? Let me uh, look up that now. I'll just go on Blackburn Rovers' last lineup. Yeah, Bradley Dak did not start, and he wasn't on the bench. So, yeah, he's probably still out injured, to be fair, which is uh, good news, I guess. Yeah, so, <laughs> imagine whenever I see him play against us, he doesn't do particularly well, So, but he's their best player, so... Armstrong normally causes causes a bit of trouble because he's he's fast and he's a little, rel- relatively skillful, so he'll be the one to watch, I imagine. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But you know, Blackburn there's still an average side that we should be beating. Um, but yeah, Tony Mowbray's side they are tenth in the league on a fifty six points, five points below the playoff places. So you know, they may feel that they can make a late push for the playoffs. Um, even though they definitely won't make the playoffs, but uh, you know the, the Mayfielder, uh, they could make a late push for the top six. So yeah, they, they probably have something to play for, I guess. But you know, we, we still should be beating them. Uh, looking at uh, who scored dot com, uh, Blackburn strengths they are very strong at creating long shot opportunities and very strong at defending set pieces. Um, and the weaknesses they are very weak at avoiding offside and very weak at protecting uh, the lead. Uh, Blackburn style of play they attack through the middle, play with width. Rotate their first eleven, and they are non-aggressive. So, to, to be fair, you know if they're rotating their the first eleven, then they could be, you know, unpredictable. Really. Yeah, I mean, Luton rotated their first eleven for the last game. There's not really much we can say about about Blackburn and excelling the virtues. We should just be going to this game and winning. We need to win it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's as simple as that. It, by any means, we need to win the game. Get three points. Yeah. Yeah, Blackburn 10th, we're top of the league. We should be beating them. We, we definitely should be beating them. And yeah, let's hope Leeds can just keep on picking up the points and uh, get the job done. Um, other games to look out for this weekend, uh, you've got Brentford versus Wigan, Fulham versus Birmingham and West Brom versus Hull. Um, and yeah, I reckon that, uh, yeah, Fulham, West Brom and Brentford, I reckon they'll win uh, their games. So yeah, Charles, would you, say, would you say it's a must-win for us on Saturday? I mean, Brent, Brentford might have a little bit more trouble against Wigan because they are, even though the club's in a bit of a shambles, the team is actually in good form, so that might be more interesting to watch. It is a must-win, yeah, we need to win it. Yeah, I would say that. Yeah, yeah, I definitely would say it's, it's a must-win. Just try to get the job done as uh, soon as possible, really. And yeah, Leeds, we we, we could have a chance of, of winning the game on Saturday. We have a good record against Blackburn Rovers. Six wins and one loss in the last uh, seven uh, meetings. Uh, we, of course, beat Blackburn 2-1 at Ellen Road earlier in the uh, season back in November. And yeah, Charles, will, will we uh, do the double over them? What's your score prediction for Saturday? 1-0 Leeds. I'm going to go 2-1 to Leeds United. We, we, you know, we, we should win. We need to win. And yeah, I, I reckon we will win. So yeah, you're going 1-0. I'm going to go... 2-1 to, uh, to Leeds United. Yeah, Leeds United just need to go there, 
concentrate on themselves and yeah, do what's needed. And uh, yeah, hopefully we get the three points on Saturday. Well, that brings us to the end of episode 68 of the All Things Leeds podcast. Thank you very much, as always, to Charles for joining me. No worries, mate. Thanks for, thanks yeah. for having me on. Really uh, appreciate you joining me again, Charles, as always. And uh, thanks to uh, everyone who has watched or listened. We uh, really do appreciate it. Uh, if you enjoyed them, why not subscribe or follow the podcast? Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts if you are listening on there. Uh, share the podcast around as well. It really does help us out. We really do uh, appreciate it. Uh, make sure to follow All Things Leads on our social media. We are on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Search for All Things Leads on uh, Facebook and uh, YouTube. Search for All Things Leads 1 on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, make sure to keep up to date with uh, everything that is happening. And make sure you don't miss anything from All Things Leads. Charles and I, we will be back next week. We'll be back a little bit earlier next week uh, to hopefully look back on a win against Blackburn and then look ahead to that Stoke game. Uh, so yeah, until next week, uh, take care, stay healthy, stay safe, and we'll speak to you soon. Mm-hmm.